Now, Gift of the Givers say that they are overwhelmed uh, with the number of calls for oxygen in Gauteng hospitals. Uh, they say that COVID-19 infections are literally ripping through the population at an unprecedented rate as uh, they have come to experience through uh, the sheer volume of calls that they are receiving. Uh, the NGO says that uh, they are inundated and, and people calling are desperate. Um, and uh, there are some medical professionals, families and uh, patients themselves who are in need of oxygen concentrators, oxygen cylinders uh, or bed availability in hospitals. Private and public hospitals are filled to capacity in Gauteng at this stage. So for more on this, we join on the line by founder of Gift of the Givers uh, Foundation, Dr. MTS Suleiman. Dr. Suleiman, thanks for your time. Welcome to Update at Noon. Uh, thanks, Fakina. Dr. Suleiman, um, such a bleak picture that is starting to emerge. And, and you know, you speak of being overwhelmed. You uh, speak of uh, staff shortages, uh, you know, as some of the problems. Give us a sense, if you will. Please elaborate on the situation from your vantage point. I cannot raise the difference between the first wave and the first and second wave and the third wave. In all waves, people called for oxygen. They called for concentrators. They called for cylinders. That happened. But what started warning me is when medical, when physicians and general practitioners are starting to call for oxygen concentrators and ask them, but why are you guys asking for oxygen concentrators? And you guys had quite a bit in the first wave and the second wave. They said, my friend, that's not enough. One guy, one doctor called me, I had 140. We probably need another 500 or 600 or even more. And those kind of of messages are coming from medical personnel, not doctors, uh, not patients, and not ordinary civilians. These are medical people saying we need oxygen. So I then asked them, but how are you treating the people? They said we have no choice. We have to do home-based care because patients are tired, they're anxious, they're driving hospital to hospital, they're waiting, the casualties are full, Even the lucky one gets a bed. They wait six, seven hours, eight hours, and, you know, they, they hopefully that somebody may put them in, a, in the hospital, and it's not happening, both in private and in public. So we decided as doctors, meaning the ones of calling, calling me, that we will treat them at home. It's not ideal. It's not the best. If the oxygen requirement is more than 5 liters, more than 10 liters, what do they do? The only hope is that they'll keep them on those machines as long as they can until a bed can become available somewhere in one of these hospitals. But we have another problem. They have one of the major hospitals in Johannesburg shut down because of a fire that happened two months ago, and I still don't understand why it's not open, at least partially. That hospital, at the peak of the crisis at COVID-19, held 300 severely ill patients. You don't have that facility anymore to hold 300 patients. The numbers of patients are climbing much more now than it was in the second and the first wave, because if you look at it, we're looking at stats overall in South Africa, 22,000 patients, 15,000 infected people. But the majority of those cases this time are in Gauteng. So you have larger numbers of cases, but the majority of 65 to 70% of those affected patients, they're not spread out in Eastern Cape, in Western Cape, parts of Lampopo, the Cape. majority of them are where you are. The increased number of infections in your area, you've got reduced hospital beds because one hospital is closed. And you have a decreased requirement of oxygen, and now the physicians are have to look looking after people at home, and that's all credit to them. They don't have to do that. It's an extra risk to them, but they're doing it, and it's ex- extremely time-consuming. The staff issue is not a new issue. When the lockdown was declared on 27 March last year, what did the government say? They said 
we are locking the country down to prepare hospitals for the COVID wave. What preparation did they really do? At that point, there were thousands of post-NT, you know, they, they were not filled in the different hospitals. And our experience from Europe and America tells us that the healthcare workers are going to get burnt out if they're going to work long hours. They were already working long hours before COVID-19. And now you come with COVID-19 and you don't fill that post. That's the first mistake. Secondly, you're supposed to deliver PPEs to the hospitals. Instead of delivering to the hospitals, we have the 14.3 billion rand scandal, and all the hospitals that called us either received very little or no PPEs, and we delivered to 210 hospitals nationwide, PPEs over a period of time. And now when the wave comes, the third thing we're supposed to do, especially in the second wave, we noticed that strain of virus was different from the first strain. And what did that one do? That one ate oxygen like crazy. So in the second wave, you knew a third wave was coming. You had to prepare for oxygen points. But what did we do? We said the vaccine will solve all problems. The vaccine can only solve all problems if everybody gets vaccinated in time. And the vaccine's coming in time, and 40, 40 million, 45 million people are vaccinated. By all logical discussion and debate, 40 million people are not going to be vaccinated before the third wave came. So a parallel program should have been done, but the hospitals were prepared, more beds were created, more oxygen, bulk oxygen facilities were put in, more oxygen machines were prepared, and more nursing staff were brought in. None of those were done, and now we're paying the price in helping. And, yeah, I said bleak at the beginning of uh, this question, so uh, it's just gotten much darker. But given what is happening at the moment, Dr. Suleiman, when we talk about oxygen, for example, if the hospitals, if the doctors are calling you, if they do not have any supplies, uh, how are they hoping that you would be able to assist? Where would you get it from? No, no, you have to understand this different method. This is not oxygen. This is oxygen concentrators. There's different methodologies or different delivery systems for oxygen. An oxygen concentrator uses room A to convert to 93% to 96% oxygen, which at 5 litres per minute or 10 litres per minute, it's a machine you just plug in the wall in your house. It's fine. You don't need to get a cylinder from Afrox or from some other company to get you know, liquid air to get oxygen. This is fine. It serves a temporary purpose or an initial purpose if people are not too sick. And they can use it, and most of them will recover, hopefully. It also prevents severe lung damage if you don't have enough oxygen. Others will have to progress to the next level of oxygen requirement, Mm. which is then a nasal prong, you know, or a face mask, or a rebreather. And that now requires oxygen in a hospital, where it requires cylinders and you require oxygen from the pipe oxygen, but if some, some of those can even be used on an oxygen cylinder, not pipe oxygen. Then comes the critical one, where you require the CPAP machines or you'd high flow nasal oxygen machines, and then eventually to ventilator. When you go to the ventilator stage, unfortunately, many people don't do so well on the ventilator. So we have to stop this uh, to save the lives. You have to get recovery at either the CPAP stage or the high flow stage. Now, the CPAP machine, which we distribute in South Africa, given to us by the Solidarity Fund, it was designed in South Africa. We rolled out 2,500 in December last year, and they, they were played a major role in saving lives. Yes, they do use oxygen, but the oxygen they use is between 10 liters and 30 liters, liters per minute. Compared to the high flow, we use a 60 to 100 liters per minute. And when you have oxygen constraints, the machines are ideal. You know, they can do the job, but in the worst case scenario, you will have to go to the other machines. 
knowing that, we had to put up bulk oxygen supplies in various hospitals in South Africa to increase the capacity. Mm. Because oxygen is not like a, you can put it in a bucket and just bring it, you know. It comes in special tankers. So this is what I was enough, asking available about. Easily. So where are you getting it from and uh, 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 why are you, for example, being asked? Why don't the hospitals themselves have access to this? No, the, uh, the, the, again, the part I'm being asked for is oxygen concentrators. Oh, you've not been be, asked for oxygen uh, per no, se? No, no, no. Patients do ask for oxygen, yes. But they think, you know, like with, the, with, with some wonder agency that can create anything. People ask us. They do ask us for cylinders. But those are not doctors. Those are the families. Those are the patients thinking, not understanding the difference. We, tell them we can't give you oxygen cylinders. Oh, that comes that. from Afrox. The hospitals know you can't get oxygen cylinders. You know, it comes from Afrox. But the doctors are asking us because there's another problem. As the crisis increases, the oxygen concentrators become in short supply. And the price then goes up by 30 to 40%. And then people find it expensive to buy. So, you know, we start procuring them. And of course, there's lots of other agencies being doing that, giving out oxygen concentrators. But people always call us because they think, you know, we, we can do the miracles. We, we have been giving the oxygen concentrators, but we've been encouraging hospitals to have the oxygen points. And I spoke to Solidarity over the weekend. They responded immediately on Sunday. They had a meeting. Yesterday, they called me. They're releasing 800 new machines to me, which we already picked up, you know, some yesterday. And any hospital in South Africa, public or private, the deal is this. You create one oxygen point, what a bed, and staff to look after that patient. We will give you a free machine. Okay. And then, and Dr. Suleiman, uh, before I let you go, I also just quickly want to hear about uh, some of the other work that you've been doing um, uh, whilst we're dealing with the pandemic, there are other issues as well around chronic service delivery challenges in the country. Um, you've been very instrumental over time in uh, helping us, even us here at SAFM, go to communities and, uh, for example, drill boreholes so that people can have access to water. So please speak to me about that as we see more and more water shortages around the country as well, where municipalities seemingly are failing to deliver. Never. Well, the water shortages are predominantly in the Eastern Cape. All right? There has been drought in the Northern Cape, but predominantly the problem is in the Eastern Cape since 2015. We've drilled several boreholes in various parts of the Eastern Cape. Nowhere near what's required. It's a very expensive business. But we tried, like Makanda, we're still losing the battle for two years there since February 2019. Every now and then the town is shut. There's no enough water. The people go, go and protest. The university doesn't function. Visitors don't come. The economy gets affected. We've got water tankers working seven days a week. I don't know for how long. Then you've got a town that's nearby, Alice Day. Again, it's got a clinic. Clinic shuts down every other day because there's no water. They've got a golf course there that used to generate money for this town. Rich people come there, they play golf, they stay in the guest house, they buy in the shops nearby, people get jobs, no water, golf course not functioning, the entire town collapses. We got petty, they didn't have water for years, we went in and drilled in bowls, we found existing bowls, we fixed them up, we put bowls in, in non-Pomolello hospital. The same thing in Adelaide, there's been other, Amtata and other areas where there's, there's a request for bowls, we've been doing that. But the biggest shock of us all is to come and drill a borehole in Johannesburg, right? In Rehma Musa Hospital. Yeah, and you get and we busy in Helen Joseph also. What I don't understand is that Johannesburg is the richest city on the continent. How come it takes so long to provide water 
to big hospitals in Johannesburg. We're not in some rural African town in some southern African continent, one miles away from anywhere where there's no resources, there's nothing. Here in Johannesburg, systems of government have to change. You can't say you've got to fill in a form and paperwork and get something done. A hospital that requires what is a crisis. We've got a first wave and second wave. You tell patients, sorry, you can't come to the hospital. Whatever condition you got, unfortunately, is going to get worse at home. You have to wait. We can't bring you to the hospital. We've got COVID cases. Patient is patient, respects the decision, stays at home quietly. Second wave is gone. Patient comes to hospital, booked in, comes after months waiting for that procedure, gets into the theater, says, sorry, there's no water. Can you imagine? Absolutely shocking and heartbreaking. Uh, but Dr. Imtia Suleiman, uh, thank you so much for speaking to us, uh, you know, giving us an understanding and a sense of uh, the dire situation uh, that uh, some hospital and uh, patients who have tested COVID positive are facing. As he says, um, they have uh, been asked for oxygen concentrators, uh, but not necessarily for oxygen by the hospitals, as uh, I erroneously understood the case to be. So um, they are, however, still assisting where they can uh, with all of these issues and it's a dire, dire situation. So, you know, we all need to just take care and hopefully we won't get to that point where we are severely ill.